in the Bible, Jesus tells us that we must go, therefore, and make disciples. And also, Jesus says that the fields are white for the harvest. So today on this episode, we're going to be talking about evangelism, and we're going to be talking about the most difficult place to preach the gospel, to see sinners saved by grace through faith. Stand by. Dr. Matters podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Doctrine Matters podcast, a tool to help believers rediscover true biblical doctrine and to help them understand and live out their faith in their homes, in their churches, and in their communities. Thank you for listening to this episode. Let's get right to it. Well, welcome everybody to this episode of the Doctrine Matters podcast, where we're going to be talking about evangelism, and we're going to be talking about one of the toughest places to evangelize that I personally can think of. Now, before we get into evangelism, let's set up the context that I'm in. I'm in the deep south, as one of my friends, Andrew Rappaport, says, you're not just in the south, you're in the deep south. I am in the state of Arkansas, where we are a red state, we are a conservative state, and we are in the Bible Belt. We're one of the states in the Bible Belt. If you don't know what the Bible Belt is, it is a stretch of place in the South where everybody knows about the Bible. Everybody has some idea about the Bible. Everybody has some sort of background in church, it seems. So the Bible Belt is one of those places that uh, you find yourself with many people, quote-unquote, knowing about the Bible. But let's talk about this context being in the Bible Belt as it relates to other contexts outside of the Bible Belt. And that's what I want to get into. You may be, what is the Bible Belt? I don't understand that. You may live in a, a region in your context where people have no care for the things of God. People don't care about the Bible. People don't have a Christian upbringing or a background in church. But everybody in the Deep South seems to have that sort of background where they're raised in church or their grandmother or played the piano, their grandfather was a deacon or their daddy was a pastor. And the thing about the Deep South that you need to know is when you begin evangelizing, you'll hear most all the time when you go, whether you go door to door, whether you're out in public, whatever you do, you'll hear somebody say, well, I'm a Christian. I was raised a Christian. Uh, my granddaddy was the deacon of the church I attended for years. And you'll hear all of these things, but you will never hear people say, and you will, and so never doesn't mean never, but you will rarely hear people say, let me say it that way, that I have repented of my sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. One of those elements of being in the Bible Belt that I live in is the fact that I have a Christian upbringing relates to Christianity. That if you were raised in a Christian home, or if your grandmother played piano, or if your grandfather was a deacon, that somehow automatically grafts you in, and you're somehow automatically a Christian in your own eyes. So when Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, we think in the Deep South that going and making disciples is a week-long mission trip in Mexico or somewhere overseas or 
to some faraway country. But if we were to look over in the book of Acts, we see that Jesus also says in Judea, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So that Jerusalem in that text is your own backyard. And when you go to evangelize your own backyard in the deep south, it's very difficult. But I'm going to go one step further and tell you that it's even more difficult in our own churches in the south. When Jesus says the fields are white for the harvest, I think in our churches, the field in the in the deep south, at least, or at least in the Bible Belt, I think the field is white hot for the harvest. It's sad to say that most people sitting in the common church in the south would profess to be Christians based on a background, not based off repentance and faith in Christ alone. So we find ourselves evangelizing in the South being one of the hardest places to evangelize. Many of you have seen Ray Comfort. You've seen his videos. If you haven't, just YouTube those, Google them. You can find Ray Comfort uh, out in California on the streets, engaging people about the things of God, engaging people about Christ. And what you'll find in California is they are outside of the Bible Belt. Very rarely will you find somebody say, well, I was raised in a Christian home, therefore I'm a automatically a Christian. What you mostly see is people that are indifferent or don't care or hostile to the things of God, hostile to the word of God, and they're going to let it be known as my dog behind me is ripping up a toy uh, alligator. You may see or hear him, so I apologize for that. Uh, But you will find those people in Ray Comfort's context not leaning on a background or something that they or someone in their family has done in the church. Now shift over to Todd Friel. Todd Friel would be in the Bible Belt. He does a Witness Wednesday, and he has, he goes out onto campuses there around Atlanta, Georgia, and he talks to people. And there you will find more of the Bible Belt mentality of, I was raised a Christian, my family is, are Christians, daddy was a deacon, whatever the case may be, and they associate that with Christianity. So when we think about the fields are white for the harvest, whether you're in the Bible Belt or you're outside of the Bible Belt, Our local churches are a wonderful place to begin. I believe that that would be the Jerusalem more than anything right there in our own little community of the church context because there are many people sitting in churches that are not truly converted. And this comes from a a long long list of reasons, excuse me, for people thinking they are converted when they're truly not. Because we have come up with emotionalism, we have come up with decisionism, easy believism, and that is a thing that has plagued our culture uh, more than we would like to even admit, I believe. And especially if you're in my context in the Bible Belt, you will not want people, uh, people will not want to admit that they came to Christ or potentially came to Christ by one of those ways because, uh, if you start challenging them on that, they, they kind of shrink back. But then there's others that will say, well, I did raise my hand in Bible school when I was seven years old. And I remember the teacher told me I was saved. So I'm holding on to that. 
Well, their life hasn't changed. They're sitting in a church. They're members of a church, but they look just like the rest of the world. Or you may say, well, I was sitting in a, a church one day and at the end of the sermon, the, the preacher said, look up at me if you want to be saved and don't want to go to hell. And I looked up at the preacher. I repeated a prayer after the preacher and he said I was saved. So I'm holding on to that moment to get me into eternity with Christ. This is what we call fire insurance. Uh, you simply have your fire insurance that you aren't going to hell. But the truth is, simply repeating a prayer does not save you. As a matter of fact, nowhere in the Bible do we see re repeat after me this prayer and you will be saved. There is no magical thing that we can say or do. Another thing in the South is if you walk an aisle, Many people will say, well, I walked an aisle back in 2000 or I walked an aisle back in 1976 and I repeated the prayer after the pastor and uh, I was saved. But then there is no fruit from that salvation story. So there seems to be a false conversion. And there are many stories like that and many people sitting in our churches we just think they're saved because they say they're saved. But what we must do is begin to look at the fruit of those people who say they're saved. Are they producing fruit or are they not? And if they are producing some sort of fruit, is it rotten fruit or is it a fruit that is biblical? You see the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You see these things. These are fruit of the Spirit. These are going to be people who are truly converted, who are being patient, who are being kind. Now, can we all work on being patient and being kind and self-control? All of those fruit of the Spirit. Yes, we can. We can all work on those. We're not all perfect in every area, but our lives are producing some sort of fruit for the glory of God. Those people that say they're saved and they're leaning on their raised hand or their repeated prayer or they're walking an aisle or what their granddaddy or grandmother did in the church years ago or how they were even raised, they're leaning on that to be their salvation story, but we see no fruit. Now we have to be careful we are to examine the fruit. We are to judge the fruit of someone's life. Now, that's a whole nother episode when we talk about judging and what that truly looks like. The Bible does call us to judge. Uh, even Matthew 7 calls us to judge. If you want to take a look at that, Matthew 7 says, before you judge, remove the plank out of your own eye and then judge to remove the speck out of your brother. So uh, there is a precedent in the scriptures for us to judge according to the scriptures, not according to what we see. Anyway, let me get back into what I'm talking about today. So we can look at those people as we judge the fruit, whether it be uh, righteous fruit or unrighteous fruit that they're producing. We have to be careful that we are not seeing what is commonly called behavior modification. Now, anyone can modify their behavior to appear to be someone they're not. Matter of fact, I would say that we've all done it. We have all modified our behavior in some way, shape, or form to appear to be who we aren't really. So what that looks like is I can say the right things. I can be good around the people that I need to be good around. But when I'm away from those church people, so to speak, I can go live my life as I please, live it in sin, do whatever I want to do. Behavior modification is not salvation. So behavior modification is temporary. True conversion and salvation is 
that is going to produce fruit that is long lasting until Christ returns or calls us home. We will always be producing fruit. This is part of our sanctification. So if you think that someone in your church is not being sanctified, they're not producing fruit, then there is likely a reason for that. And there's two reasons for that. One, maybe they're living in a season of sin. They're kind of quenching the spirit. They're not growing in holiness. They're they're kind of uh, living in one of those down in those ruts, as we like to say, in the South. We call that, and especially in the Baptist world, we call that backsliding. Maybe they're backsliding for a season. That could be the first reason. But the second reason, and looking at their life as a whole, could be that they're not truly saved to begin with. I was, uh, a few days ago, I was just thinking through this, and and, and I can't remember what pastor said. it. I want to think it was Jonathan Edwards that he said, at any given time in his church that he believes only around 10 to 15% are truly converted. The rest are unconverted or have a false conversion. Now, these false conversions that we think about are huge. So that means our churches must be the number one place we go on mission, which means that our churches must be full of gospel proclamation. Week in and week out, the gospel must be preached. It doesn't matter if people get tired of hearing it. If somebody gets tired of hearing the gospel, that may be a red flag in and of itself that they are not truly converted either. So we must never tire of hearing the gospel. As a matter of fact, we need to preach and teach the gospel to ourselves daily because we need to be reminded of the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf. We need to know what Christ did, remember what Christ did, and lean on that and trust in that and rest in that. So we need the gospel. Anything outside of that, if churches are not constantly preaching the gospel, and if you get tired of preaching, the, hearing the gospel preached, there's an issue. So our churches must preach the gospel. Anything outside of that is going to leave people still in their sin. Now, obviously, we can't save anyone as pastors. You can't save anyone in your evangelism. All that we can do, all we can do and all you can do is preach the gospel, proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, and trust God to save those whom he will save. We can't force people to be saved. We can't tell people, you must do this. Now, we can tell them you must repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We can even implore them, as 1 Corinthians says, implore them to be reconciled to God. But we can't save anyone, which means our churches must be full of gospel proclamation from the pulpit, from Bible study classes, from Sunday school classes, from small groups. If your church does small groups, the gospel should be at the forefront of everything that we do and say in our churches because there are so many people in there that are leaning on a false conversion and they think they're saved, but they're not. And if they died, they would go to hell. That is why we read in the scriptures on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, but didn't I fill in the blank? For our day, it could be, didn't I sing in the choir? Didn't I give all of my money? Didn't I uh, teach Sunday school? Didn't I lead Awana? Didn't I show up early and make the coffee? Didn't I sweep the floors when no one was watching? Didn't I do all of these things? And then Jesus will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. That is 
going to be a tragic thing for people to hear on that day, especially those that believe they're saved, but they aren't truly saved. Let me just tell you once more, raising your hand at the end of a sermon will not save you. Repeating a prayer after the pastor will not save you. Walking an aisle will not save you. Your granddaddy being a deacon in the church for years will not save you. Your daddy or granddaddy being a pastor will not save you. None of these things will save you. Only the grace of God will save you by hearing the gospel. And the gospel is so important. The gospel is so important. It's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of where you spend eternity. So it's a matter of understanding the gospel, hearing the gospel, and the Spirit working in your life, drawing you to a place of repentance and faith in Christ Jesus alone. So we must all know that we are sinners, first and foremost. We have sinned. Not one person listening or watching this episode has not ever sinned. No one is perfect. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin, the Bible says, is death. Because we've sinned against God, we will all die. The Bible also tells us that if we've broken one of God's laws, we've broken them all. And let me tell you, we've broken at least one of God's laws. I mentioned Ray Comfort. One of the things he does, he asks people, have you ever told a lie? And they say, well, I absolutely have told a lie. Boom. One law. Bible says thou shalt not lie. You've broken that law. You've broken every single law there is. And you are guilty. And you will die and spend an eternity in hell for breaking God's laws. However, before you say, well, God is just a, a big mean person in the sky that just hates people. No. Before you say that, we have to recognize and understand that God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die the death that we deserved. He was buried. And three days later, he rose again victoriously. And he ascended back to the right hand of God, where he is seated today. And all of those that believe that they are sinners, they believe that Jesus Christ truly came to this earth to die the death that we deserve, to, to be buried and, and rose again on the third day, and he's seated at the right hand of God. You believe that. The Bible says you will be saved. Matter of fact, in Mark chapter 115, Jesus himself says, repent and be baptized. Repent and believe. You must turn from your sin, turn from your way of thinking because you are a sinner in need of a Savior. You turn from that sin and you place your faith in Christ alone, believing that he came, died, was buried, and rose again for you. And you will be reconciled to God by grace through faith in Christ. And when you're reconciled to God, that is huge because that death that you will physically die one day will lead to a spiritual eternity. Well, let me just back up here. I believe in eternity you will have brand new, resurrected, glorified physical bodies. So I don't believe eternity is just a spiritual uh, where our spirit will be floating around disembodied or anything like that. I believe that's ignorant to say and, and think and believe. Um, I believe that's heresy. So uh, I do believe we will have a physical body glorified in heaven as believers. But what I mean is when you 
die your physical death here on earth, you will be ushered into eternity forever as you await that glorified body when Christ returns. If you die not believing in Christ Jesus alone, you will die a second death, the Bible teaches, and a death that will, it's a spiritual death, and you will be sent to hell for eternity. And when Christ returns, I believe you will get a body that is made specifically for eternal fire, and that's going to be one that never is destroyed, never annihilated. It will never burn up, and you will suffer the consequences of your unbelief for eternity. But repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. This is why it's important to preach the gospel, because there are people in our churches right now who don't truly know the true gospel. All they know is they're, they don't want to go to hell, that they're afraid of hell, and that uh, they don't understand the true gospel. So we need to make sure that we begin in our local context of church that we find ourselves in. If you're in the Bible Belt, it's going to be a lot harder than being outside of the Bible Belt. It's going to be a lot easier just to find and run into people that have no regard for the things of God. So think about that. It doesn't matter whether you're in the Bible Belt where it's difficult or whether you're outside of the Bible Belt where it's still difficult. Preach the gospel. Proclaim the gospel. And it's not just the preacher's job. It's your job as believers as well. We have been called to take the gospel to the nations. So let's get busy doing just that. And let's start in our churches, go to our communities, go to our cities, go to our state, go to our country, and then hit those overseas mission trips. I hope you have taken something away from this episode. Until next time, God bless.